today we'll conclude our brief overview of the practice of prayer for the next couple of weeks. Brother Matt is going to preach for us. Matt Stanley back there in the back. You ready? I'm ready. I can't overstate the importance of prayer in our lives. I, not, I, I cannot do it. Prayer is our communion with God. That's what prayer is. It is not just a matter of us having a grocery list of things which we would like to have that we just sort of present to God. Here's my, here's my grocery list, Lord, and just sort of, if you could go ahead and give me these things, my life would be easier. Prayer is designed for us to have communion with God. It's more than just us asking for things. It is our opportunity to spend time with Him. It is the foundation of our relationship with God. And I know that faith is the foundation to our relationship with God and that without faith, our prayers won't work. And I don't mean that you have to believe the things that you're asking for. I mean you have to believe that there is a God and that He answers those who seek Him. That's the foundation of our relationship. But you won't pray, and you won't pray, if there's no faith fuel in the tank. Our prayer is directly related to our faith. But still, what I mean when I say that prayer is the foundation of our relationship with God, if we're not praying, we're, we're not faithful people. We're not spending time with God. So prayer and faith go hand in hand. They're, they're, you don't have one without the other. You don't have real prayer without faith. And without faith, you're not going to have prayer. It's just our opportunity, just, that's such a small point. It is our opportunity to be with our Father. That's what prayer is. We don't only believe in God. We believe that we can be with God. And that's what prayer is. And so what I want to ask you today is, do you pray? Honestly, do you pray? Not just like every once in a while, but are you spending time in communion and in prayer with God? And if not, then the reason is your faith is weak. And I'm not saying that just to make you feel guilty. I'm saying that because it's the truth. That if you don't have a prayer life, then your faith is small to non-existent. That's the same of me and same of you. So if you really want to gauge how you're doing in the faith, ask yourself, how often do I spend time with my Father in prayer? And I'm not talking about just a time that we sort of only legalistically set aside because we know we're supposed to pray, but how natural is prayer for me? How often do I, when I'm, when I'm presented with anything, do I think to ask God about that? Or to say, Lord, I'm, I'm fixing to go into this situation. Just be with me. Be with me and help me and guide me. and Open doors and close doors. Lord, what are we doing here? What's happening? You, you sit uh, just, just, yes, oh, I don't know. All my days are running together, y'all. I can't think anymore. It must be the time change or something. It's Friday. It's Friday. And my neighbor came and introduced himself to me. And I was just making some small talk with him. And I said, uh, I saw you yesterday or the other day petting a horse. He said, yeah, I wish the horse could give me directions. Boy, if that's not an open door, I don't know what I said. I said, neighbor, you ain't going to get much direction from a horse. What sort of direction are you looking for? And, and the whole time, my, by the God's grace, my thought was, God, help me be smarter than a horse. <laughs> maybe I could have said a better prayer than that but God doesn't ask us just for good prayers for, for prayers in general help me give my neighbor more direction than that horse can 
And, and uh, what, I, what I mean by that is that, that was my first impulse. And I was thankful to God for that. I was like, I need to help this guy. He's looking for direction from a horse. Our lives and how I wish our lives would be marked by consistent, faithful, and joyful prayers. Consistent, faithful, and joyful prayer. If I had one prayer for all of us is that, that we would be a praying people. And again, if your mind is set on prayer, meaning I'm asking God for stuff, your prayer life will never be fulfilling. Because that's not what... Prayer is for that. That is part of prayer. But that is not the main purpose of prayer. Prayer is communion. It's communion with God. We do more than just ask for things. Now let me read uh, from Matthew 7, 7 through 14. And I want you to look and see and pay attention to how two things are linked here. They may be divided in your uh, passage between paragraphs, but one thought flows into another. And today we're going to talk about how we learn in our journey of prayer. How, how, we, how God teaches us through prayer. How we grow through prayer. Verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If then you who are evil, thank you Jesus. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Few. How sad. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that you will help us to find the narrow gate. Lord, help us to walk through it and it lead us to life. Be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll start this morning with this pretty famous verse, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. And it is not just ask one time, it is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That is the tense that should be given to us. It's not just a one time, you can't see it so good in English, but I'm telling you, it is a repetitive event. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Have you ever given much thought to the verse itself? My thought is, and what I think a lot of us is, we read, ask and it will be given to you, and the rest is sort of just blah, 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 almost. It's like, ask and it will be given to you, because we don't really understand seeking and knocking. What's he talking about? Ask and it will be given to you, and the rest is sort of tuned out, background noise a little bit, and it seems very straightforward. We ask for something, we get something. But there is more to the verse than this. There is more to Jesus' teaching than this, than just asking and getting There's seeking and knocking involved. And the whole thing about this passage is a continual seeking, asking, knocking from the Lord. These things are joined together. And that's because prayer is about more than just asking and getting stuff. Like I said, it's not just a grocery list of things that we want. It's more than that. It's more than merely asking and getting. And it it is about continuing to do it. I'm getting a little hum. Is that the Lord or my ears ringing? We, we, we keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking. 
These things are joined together in prayer because we're supposed to continue to do that. You ask the Lord for something, you seek something, and you knock and doors will be open to you. So let me ask you this, brothers and sisters. Do you know what to ask for? Do you know what you're looking for? And are you finding or are doors being opened to you? And if prayer is communion with God, then spending time with God in communion means that through prayer, we don't change God. Through prayer, God changes us. And what you will find as you continue to ask and as you continue to seek and as you continue to knock, the things you ask for, the things you seek, and the doors you seek to open will begin to change. Because as we spend time with God, He changes us through this communion. As you go to God in prayer, you, you have your things. We all do, and that's fine. We all have our things that we want. And so we come to God and we begin to ask Him for the things that we want. And what happens is you begin to spend time with God. He begins to share with you the things that He wants. And when He begins to share with you the things that He wants, you find that the things you want seem not quite as awesome as the thing He wants. Now, I don't mean that God is going to speak to you specifically, hey, I want these things. I want a new car. <laughs> is, that, is that something God wants as a new car? That's what we want. Is that what He wants? Does He have bigger grander plans than that. What I mean is as we begin to commune with Him through His Word, as we begin to commune with Him in our spirit, He will begin to teach us that the things we want are often things we don't really need. It's just things that we want. And so what happens as we begin to ask, we say, Lord, I want this thing, I want this thing, I need that thing, I, I wanna, I'm seeking happiness and I think that this thing that I'm asking for will give me happiness and I want to knock on the door so that when I open it, it's like the game show, you know, I want to open door number two and there'll be the thing that I want, Lord. And the Lord says, look, look at the things that you want. Is any of this lasting? Is any of this good? Are you asking for the, for the benefit of the kingdom of God or just for yourself? So you come in and you say, Lord, I want this problem I've got in my job. I need to make this problem. I want, I want you this problem to go away. I'm not really super happy. Me and my spouse are fighting. These things are going. My kids, I just see what's going on in school and they're going crazy. And Lord, I need all this stuff. And he says, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Do you love your people at work? Do you love your kids? Do you love them and your spouse? Like, Lord... I have a limited time. I'm trying to give you my list, and you're talking about you love me. He says, I do love you. It's the greatest commandment. Love me with all of your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the things that we begin to learn in prayer that God is patient, He is kind, that love is paramount. It is the greatest thing on earth. Truly, it is the greatest thing, not only on earth, but also in heaven. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 teaches? These three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So we begin to spend time with God and communion with God, and He teaches us how to love, and He teaches us how to look at people and problems differently. Not as, oh, I have a problem because this person is being difficult to deal with, you start thinking, wonder why they're being difficult to deal with. What's, what's going on in their heart? What's happening with them? How can I help them see that not just that they're being difficult to deal with, but something else besides our situation is driving their attitude? 
This is how prayer begins to change us. And it begins to change from, Lord, make this problem go away because I don't want to deal with it. It's, Lord, help me be the solution to the problem. How can I help them see what's going on? It's not just... And we all come and we are all scattered throughout with selfishness and pride. And it takes time in communion with God to draw out from us, first of all, how we're being selfish. And secondly, how we can be the solution we seek with God's help. We get new understandings of God as we pray. And by a new understanding of God, don't misunderstand me to say you're going to get new revelation that nobody's ever seen or heard before. What I mean is through prayer, you will get to know the heart of God as it is revealed to us, to us through Scripture as He promised us He will be. As we begin to pray, we begin to pray and we begin to spend time with the Lord, we get to know Him. It's just like when you first get married, you might think that you know your spouse, but after several years, you'll find out that there were beautiful, wonderful things about them that you did not know or dream about. And as they change and they grow in their journey, you begin to learn more about them. You find them to be more and more lovely. That's the goal. That's the point. Now, that doesn't mean that God changes through your relationship, but as you spend time with Him in the communion of prayer, you will begin to see Him as lovely and as beautiful as the Bible says He is. And that will change you. It will change you. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given. What are you asking for? Seek and you will find. What are you looking for? Knock and it will be open. Where are you wanting to go? All these things change through prayer. They all change. You begin to see what is important. And as I said last week, we are often like the beggar at the beautiful gate who asks for silver and gold, but what we need is a healing. You don't know that. You don't know Do you ask. When you ask for... The Bible says here, which one among you being evil, by the way. That was Jesus' talk. Jesus was some kind of Calvinist or something, thinking that everybody was totally depraved and evil. How then can you, being evil, know how to give good gifts? Jesus said we were evil. I take him at his word. Verse 11, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The Lord will give you good things if you ask him. He will do it. 100%. He loves you. He wants to give you good things. But the good things that he will give you after you ask are maybe not the things that you ask for. Because we are too foolish to even ask what we want. So let me tell you what's going to be best. First of all, he promises that if you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. And I will tell you that if you ask for a snake, he's not going to give you a snake either. Most of the time. One of the worst curses you could have, by the way, is for God to give you everything you ask for. He's too kind for that. Too merciful. Here's what he's going to give you, first of all, that is best. Here's what God will give you. If you will pray, he will give you himself. He will give you himself. That's the best. That's the best. If you will pray, he will give you himself. He's not far from us. And all of us who seek him, we will find him. If you will pray, he will give you first himself. That is the greatest gift. And as you spend time in the presence of your Father, you will find that that gift is the greatest. That's what would keep you coming back for prayer. Not because He just gives to you the laundry list of things you ask for, but because when you go to Him in prayer, He gives you His presence. He gives you 
his attention. And he takes everything you ask for seriously even when he says no. Oh, child, you don't even know what you're asking for. Jesus said that to his disciples, didn't he? They asked, it was a prayer, Jesus standing there, he's God, and they say, Lord, give to us to sit at your right hand and your left. And what did Jesus say? He said, oh, child, do you know what you're asking for? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, yes, Lord, we are able. Jesus agreed with them and didn't agree with them. He said, you will drink the cup. He didn't say you're able, but he said you will. Most of the time when we go to the Lord and we ask for things, we don't even know what we're asking for. We don't have any idea of the cost. We don't have any idea what it's going to take for those things to come true. We don't know what our involvement in those things are. We have no idea. We think that God, like a magic genie, will just rub the lamp, make the wish, and he makes it come true. But it does not work that way. When we ask, Lord, give us the nations that they might know Christ. Oh, son, do you know what you're asking for? You're asking for death, difficulty, martyrdom, persecution. (laughs) But my son will have the nations, and I will do it. As we spend time in prayer, we find that what we ask for is not always what we need. But the thing that we always receive is our Father's presence. And what I want you to notice, too, is this. The golden rule is connected to prayer. He just talks about the fact that if we know how to give good gifts to our children, then surely the Father of heaven knows how to give good gifts because He's not evil and we are, and we still know how to give our children good things and how to avoid give them bad things. And then he says in verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Why in the world does he say us... Why does he connect the golden rule right after prayer? What does that have to do with us asking, seeking, and knocking? It's just what I'm talking about. As we pray, we begin to change. He says, what you want others to do for you, do the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Prayer doesn't change God. As I said, prayer changes you. Remember, uh, when we pray, when you go to the Lord in prayer, we just prayed a little earlier, what are some things you pray for? Forgiveness? Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned, like the prodigal son who went to the far land and wasted his substance on riotous living. No longer worthy to be called your son. Pray, make me as one as your servants. What does he do? He gives you the robe, gives you the ring, welcomes you as a son and a daughter. You pray for forgiveness. You pray for help. You pray for all sorts of things, don't you? How can someone How can someone who spends all day asking for the mercy of God, knowing that they are completely dependent upon His mercy, our deep need for such mercy, how can we be then a people who are unmerciful to others? How can you all day long who ask for unmerited, unearned things, then turn around and be selfish towards others who ask us in their need? How do you want God to treat you You want him to give you his time when you go into his presence and ask for things. You want to be taken seriously by God and you want him to answer your prayers and provide for you the things that you need. How then if we do this from God every day we beg him and ask him for forgiveness. We ask him for things. We ask him 
protect my family. Help this, do this. Lord, help us, we're, we're helpless. And then someone comes to you and says, Oh, sir, I have no money for food. Oh, sir, I have no thing for this. I can't do this thing. If you then were unmerciful to them, how can you expect God to show you mercy in prayer? This is why the golden rule is connected to prayer. And it's not just here. If you go and read the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who is in heaven... Your name is holy, right? Forgive us our trespasses if we forgive those who trespass against us. What does Jesus say at the end of that? If you do not forgive others their transgressions, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your transgressions. Prayer is meant to change you. You are a beggar. I am a beggar at the throne of grace. And he expects us to treat beggars kindly. This is why the golden rule is connected to prayer. Prayer will change you because it will humble you. You are a beggar. Completely dependent upon the grace of God, but he doesn't treat you like a beggar. He treats you like a prince. Gives you everything you need in Christ Jesus. And so as you begin to pray, you will begin to change. You'll be humbled. You'll realize, I am, I am nothing without God. He is the vine. I am the branch. If I'm cut off from him, I'm nothing. I will not produce fruit. I cannot even draw breath apart from his mercy. I will not eat. I cannot keep my job. I cannot do anything apart from God. And then you look out and you realize, hey, wait. Everybody's this way. And I have been put here by God to be his ambassador, his representative. When they come and speak to me, I should speak to them as if I represent Christ in everything that I do. So people ask you for things. People come in here. You can ask Matt. I don't know how many times a week. Some weeks it's every single day people come in here asking us for things that they don't deserve. I ask every single day for things I don't deserve. If God had his in mind... Oh, this is a judgment. Be careful. If God despised the poor the way some of us despise the poor, we would have no hope of heaven. For we are poor in spirit indeed. Prayer would change you. If you'll think about what you're doing, if you'll think about the things we ask for, it's greater than anything anybody's going to come up on the street and ask you for. Prayer will change you. It will humble you. It will make you ready to listen to the requests of others and make us quick to help. That's why the golden rule is connected to prayer. It's also connected to the narrow gate. As we're asking, seeking, knocking, and as we're being changed, we begin to help others. It will not make our life easier. That's why we're talking about the narrow gate. Some people, we have the idea. We have this idea. If I get all the stuff I ask for from God, my life will become easier. Is that what you think? If I get all the stuff I ask for from God, my life will be easier. That's backwards. When God begins to answer your prayers, your life may get harder. How's that? It'll make your case, it will make your life harder because you'll become aware that many people do not enjoy the communion with God that you enjoy. As you begin to pray and you're in the presence of God, I don't see how people live without God. I wish they didn't live without God. Some of them begin to share the gospel. And then you might pray something like this. Lord, help me be the ambassador you've called me to be. Help me to show others the way to Christ. Oh, child, you don't know what you just asked for. Because people are hard and they're evil. They don't want God. 
And the more you spend time with God, the more that you will want them to want God. And the more you will begin to share. What happened to Jesus when he wanted people to know his father? They crucified him. Prayer won't make your life easier. It might make your life harder. Even the good things which you ask for come at a cost. But it will bring you joy. You'll pray for others. Lord, help them. And God can't stand it if we say, Lord, help somebody be clothed and well fed and we let them go on their way and we don't do anything about it, right? Didn't James talk about that? I, I remember one time there was a little prayer to Jesus. You may not have thought about it as prayer, but I guess every time somebody talked to Jesus, it was prayer. They came up and said, Lord, what are we going to do? The crowds are out here. There's 5,000 of them. They ain't got no food. We need to give them some food so that they won't faint on the way. And what did Jesus say? You feed them. You feed them. <laughs> and they did. Because Christ provided. But they were the hands which served the bread. You ask the Lord to help somebody, you might say, you feed them. You help them. I don't have the resources. This is too big for me. Here's a loaf. Here's a fish. Go feed the 5,000. It's a scary thing when you become the answer to your own prayer. Lord, help them come to know Christ. You help them come to know Christ. What I got you here for? Be the light of the world, I thought. And so you'll find that that gate is awfully narrow and hard. And there are a few that find it. It is true. We ought to be spending a lot of time in prayer. And as we time, spend time with God in prayer, we become the kind of people who walk a narrow way. We begin to see with new eyes, hear with different ears, and love with a different kind of heart. This is what prayer is. And this is what God desires for us. As I said last week, the devil thinks it's funny to say, don't pray for patience or God will give it to you. Give you trials so you'll learn patience. You should pray for patience because you're going to have trials. Just be ready for it. When you begin to spend time with God, you're going to find the overwhelming, beautiful love of God that he is with you. And that even when you ask for stuff, even if he doesn't give it to you, you know it's going to be okay because he will be with you. Yay. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death with no fear, then you find out that your grocery list of things that you want is not so important as long as you go with me. You ever have a little child, you tell them to do something. Hey, you need to go, will you go get something out of the car? Mom and dad, little kids, a little easy thing. And you look and you see that they're afraid. It's dark. You remember being a child and be scared of the dark? And they say, will you go with me? You go with them. They'll go out to the car and get what you need. They're just scared. You think you can't do it. But Lord, if you'll go with us, we'll go. That's what prayer is. Lord, I need all these things, I think. I want all these things. But I can do without all of them if you'll go with me. In prayer, the Lord teaches us, I'm always with you. Always. Trust me. That 
is what prayer is. That is the beauty of communion with God. And if it doesn't change you, if that doesn't make your heart leap for joy, I have little hope that you know it. And I say that with devastation. Prayer is sweet and good because the Lord is sweet and good. Let's go to him in prayer.